the way I look at it is I don't have the mental models that a CEO with 30 years of experience has. So I have to get them somewhere. And while there's no direct substitute for experience, that education, that self-education is at least a passable alternative to get me there while I'm while I spend the years developing that experience. Rockstar Nation, this is Aaron Muchastegui, and today we have such a special show for you. Instead of focusing on real estate and real estate agents, today's show is completely unique. I had a chance to interview the CEO of Bigger Pockets, Scott Trench, to really talk to him about what it takes to become a CEO and some of those habits and tricks that he used in life uh, to really get ahead, how he manages a big company, and all sorts of other things. You know, and the reason we wanted to share it on Real Estate Rockstars is we thought so many of you real estate agents out there. The, are running big businesses or are starting other businesses or want to become entrepreneurs or as you build, there's just all sorts of things to think about and productivity hacks. So the one wasn't sure if we should launch this as its own podcast or launch it, you know, as a series that we do maybe once a month inside the Real Estate Rockstars Radio. So here is where you guys come in. I need your help. As you listen to this, if you love it, let us know. If you hate it, let us know. And if you you know, we'll be back to our regular programming on Wednesday and we'll be back to you know interviewing real estate agents and real estate service providers to really help all of you real estate agents get ahead. But we wanted to share this special episode with you guys first to see if this is something that you want to hear more of on Real Estate Rockstars. So take a look, take a listen, let us know what you think and uh, hope you like it. Hi, I'm Aaron Muchastegui. I'm a real estate investor, entrepreneur, focusing on online recurring revenue companies and podcasts. I was recently speaking to a fellow entrepreneur about building his business, and he told me he had to dig deep to figure out what kind of person he had to become in order to become the CEO of this $100 million valued company that he wanted to build. And that got me to thinking, what sort of habits, decisions, trainings would I have to focus on to do the same thing? What makes a CEO? What makes somebody tick? What makes them succeed? I figured the best way for me to answer that for my own self and for everybody else out there is to interview CEOs who are crushing it in this space and building and running companies that are well on their way to $100 million valuations. And I wanted to record them, figure out their formula, and see if it was something I could share with everybody else. So today, listen close, see if you can find some tips to help you level up your career and your chances to become a CEO like that. You know, and one of my first CEOs here today, I get to chat with Scott Trench. He is the CEO of Bigger Pockets. Bigger Pockets is the largest online network for real estate investors. It has, I think it's more than one and a half million members that are on their site, several giant podcasts growing like crazy. I think I read something that was like, you're getting 5,000 extra members a week, totally huge. Scott has been the CEO since 2018, been involved in Bigger Pockets long before that, and it's grown like crazy under his leadership. Scott's also the best selling author of Set for Life and the co host of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. So to get started learning about what makes a CEO, Scott, I wanted to introduce you, bring you on. Thanks for coming on. And you know, let's hear about how you became the CEO of Bigger Pockets. Yeah. So, um, you know, well, thanks for that uh, awesome intro there, first of all, Aaron. Great to yeah. be here. And I uh, always like talking about this stuff. So my kind of journey, I'll give you a quick overview of my career. I think it starts there. So I started my career at a, a, a Fortune 500 company as a financial analyst in the pay TV space. Uh, you can look it up if you're interested and learn it. And I found out after like two or three months on the job that I just really didn't want that 
traditional corporate career track. It was, you know, climbing the corporate ladder. So I became fascinated with this concept of financial independence and real estate investing. So I started saving up my pennies and looking to buy my first house hack. Actually, I became a fan of this tiny little website called biggerpockets.com uh, and its founder and the, the co-host of the podcast, uh, Josh Dorkin and his co-host, Brandon Turner. So I, became, I began listening to that, saving my pennies. And within a year, I had um, kind of absorbed hundreds of hours of content and really gotten going on that, saved up my first 20 grand. And around the same time I bought my first house hack, I also joined that startup. I remember networking at, on the founder's advice with other real estate entrepreneurs in the local area. I mean, I'm here in Denver, Colorado. And through, I, I joined a mastermind group of entrepreneurs. And through that mastermind group, I took every single one of them out to lunch. One of them happened to work in the same co-working space of the then startup Bigger Pockets, and that's how I met ah. Josh Dork. And I banged on his door a couple of times, and he told me to to go away a couple of times. And I kept following up until here we are. I got a job as director of operations at this then two-person after I joined three-person startup. Um, and if you're not familiar with director of operations means at a three-person company, it means you do all of the crappy jobs <laughs> that's that no so one awesome. else wants to do. So uh, that's kind of how I got started and, and joined and joined this company. So my, you know, as a 24-year-old, 25-year-old, I start I started at uh, Bigger Pockets as a, as a director of all all things operations. That is so awesome, man! I I love the first I was a member. You know, the, it was, it's like first, first I was a client, and then and then mm-hmm. I then I got bigger. The um, yeah. That makes it hilarious, right? So the, uh, and that's like one of my companies. So my, my, Roddy, my foreclosure listing service company, like I was a subscriber, right? I was a subscriber for a long time using it before I became the owner and the guy and the CEO trying to grow that thing. What, another thing I love about your story too is a lot of people think that, I've heard people say like the, the, the guys at the beginning can't work their way up in CEO. You need to bring a CEO in from some other space that's already been a CEO. And your story is like, no, you started as, like, as the guy that was going to get coffee and anything else and then... And what good advice too. I mean, there's a whole podcast about how do you become a CEO, right? Like there's like that, that could be its own brand out there. And you being able to say like, no, like I, I showed up at the right spot. I networked. I met a friend who met a friend who met a friend and made it. Um, yeah. And then I, you know, I obviously over that five-year period that I've just kind of glossed over there, I, I worked really hard. I was, I was working, you know, you had to have, yeah. Hour, like the long days, I was, and I was doing everything in my power to loyally support both the mission and the owner personally, uh, Josh, uh, Josh personally, and I, I did everything I could and tackled every new problem. You know, if there was an area of the business we didn't know about, I was going to read three or, three or five books on it and become an expert or at least passively uh, effective so that I could go on and take on that new challenge, that new role. And over time, you know, we kind of realized, hey, you know, we need someone to do a little bit more of the management of, of various teams and major revenue streams for the business. And, you know, Brandon moved off to Hawaii and surfs all yeah. day. So that kind of left me to, to, to handle, handle, uh, handle a lot of those t- types of issues. And then yeah. uh, in late 2017, Josh really uh, began taking more of a backseat in the day-to-day operations of the business and as his, his daughter uh, became ill. And so that was really the kind of the time period where we had the tradition transition to me kind of formally taking uh, con- control management responsibility for the business uh, as president. And then over the course of 2018, we led a recapitalization where we brought on private equity sponsors. So Josh had a very good outcome uh, and he's now... Uh, doing all sorts of different interesting things in addition to being a part owner of Bigger Pockets, and uh, I've stayed on as CEO from there. 
Yeah, that was so awesome. When I've heard when I've heard Josh tell the story of when he had to pull himself out of it to like to choose family first, which is like the most admirable thing. But one of the the other things that he fondly talks about is how all of you guys really stepped up into into your role, right? Like it was it was one thing to be able to go, wow, I have to like I have to step away from this for a second to take care of what's most important, and how worrisome that must have been, and and how proud he is of you guys. You guys took the ball and ran with it. You just said, we got this. Like you take care of your family, and we've got this, and we'll build it and grow it. And you guys didn't you didn't take your foot off the gas. No, absolutely. It was you know as as you know. It, Josh, Josh and his family went through a very tough time there. It was up to me to help, t- you know, it was one, it was an opportunity, right? It was a career opportunity. Yeah. And two, you know, I, if I don't do, if I don't do a good job, I'm hurting Josh's family, right? If I'm not, if I'm not doing my job. So it was kind of like those two things, like I had to do it. And, you know, how could I possibly blow this opportunity and not do everything in my power to step up and become, I think that the way that was phrased and you phrased in the intro, how do right. I become a CEO? Because the way I looked at it, I can't, I can't fool investors with tens of millions of dollars into thinking that I am this effective person. I have to become an effective person, right? You don't go to Harvard and get an MBA and control hundreds of millions of dollars in private equity funds without known a little something about judging people and, and analyzing businesses. So I think that's the right, the right way to phrase it. How did I be, how do I become that person? That's so awesome. Yeah. But you, you, you worked really, really hard. You worked really, really hard. And then when the opportunity came, like you were the first natural fit, right? You were the first guy like, Hey, it's time to step up. Well, the, uh, I mean, we could talk for, for tons about that, but let's talk more about now that you're there what do you do? You know, how do we get there? So like, what, what education do you have? The, uh, do you feel like that was impactful on how you, on how you run your business now? Uh, yeah. So I, I went to Vanderbilt university. I got a, a degree in economics and history. So dual econ history. And then I minored in corporate strategy and in uh, finance. So financial accounting. So I have a background that helps you a little bit with, with the business day to day. And I mean, it, it certainly seems like that's, Oh, here's a, here's a course load for a CEO. Uh, I guess that, that I kind of do check that box, but I'm probably in the very small minority of people who have that outside of like, I also don't have an MBA or anything like that. I wouldn't say it's been particularly helpful in terms of direct translation to my experience. What's really been, my school has been the hundreds of business books, blogs, podcasts, videos, whatever that I've read and continue to read on an ongoing basis. That's really where the meat of my knowledge um, comes from, you know, the way I look at it is I don't have the mental models that a CEO with 30 years of experience has. So I have to get them somewhere. And while there's no direct substitute for experience, that education, that self-education is at least a passable alternative to get me there while I'm, while I spend the years developing that experience. Yeah. You know, when I was, I remember when I was first working for a home builder, I asked the CEO then, like, I was an intern and I said, what should I pay a lot of attention to? And one of the, one of the advice he gave me that you mentioned was, he said, pay a lot of attention in those accounting classes. Cause even though you're not going to be an accountant later, when you're, a, when you're a CEO and you're reviewing those accounting reports, like you're like the little things there, you're going to need it and it, it's going to come back to you. So there, it's not always direct tra- It's, we learn so much more by learning by doing. And then, you know, what we learned 10 years ago, so much of it is out of, you know, out of sync now, but but that was, that was a class for me. Accounting is one that I still use, even though at the time it was like, ah, well, I don't need this. I'm going to run a company. I, I, I love and hate accounting because what the goal of it, in my opinion, there's tax accounting, which is to save, you know, to, to pay as little taxes as you, as, as 
as practical, right? As right. your business model will allow for. But then the mechanic, the, the, the mechanics of your business is what you really need to understand. And you have to set up your accounting mechanism in one, in, well, this is a way off base, but one yeah. to get in accordance with gap, right? But two, you know, how do you actually manage your business, right? And if you're, at, you know, bigger pockets is an interesting business because we don't have a lot of those uh, advertising marketing and advertising dollars in a traditional sense. So when I want to compute my customer acquisition cost or LTV or those ratios, I have to use different, different formats outside of a tra- traditional accounting because they don't quite make as much sense in our model. But yeah, it's, yeah, a, that's it's a, whole a whole different world. Like with podcasts and things like that, you're like, well, how much, how much of that directly translates into this? You're like, I don't know, but, but, it, but that's where they come from. Right. right. People come from the podcast, you know, but how do you, how do you get that? So, so how about like your typical day? What's your typical day look like as, as a CEO? How do you keep track of it? Like, is there a way that you, how do you attack your day? What's your management style with that? Yeah, sure. So, um, and, and there's a whole bunch of questions here that, uh, that you sent me ahead of, the sh- ahead of the show here. And I want to kind of just talk up, talk up like a broad overview about how I was thinking about your question set before. That's I awesome. Yeah, go for it. Do your thing. You know, I think that running the business is kind of like a lot like running your life, right? You start off with like, Hey, what's my like five year or three year or however long out you want to forecast your vision for your life. Right. Then you say, what can I actually do in this next year? Then what do I want to do in this quarter, this month, this week, this day. Right. And most people don't do that in their lives. So it's kind of, but they do that in they, every, almost every business does this, right? And that's yeah. kind of like, I've had a lot of practice doing this over the last five years with my personal life. And now I'm just translating that kind of into the, the, that for the company. So most of my job is really kind of doing that kind of work on a regular basis. And then I also, because of my role as an outward facing CEO, I, my, I have two roles. I'm the CEO and president. So I operate the business and I set the strategy, vision, mission, all that kind of stuff as well. Um, and I have a lot of outward facing uh, duties, like for example, showing up on your podcast here to talk about my day, right? So when you think about what my, what my kind of typical day is as a CEO, you know, I'm not an early riser. I know that that's a lot of, I'm, I'm, Maybe, that's good to know, um, yeah. Amongst my my peers in the CEO world, but I like to rise at like like get up at like seven seven thirty and hit get to work around eight eight thirty uh, and start the day. I review my list of goals. I always have to do that. I've done it my whole career, and I have my weekly goals mapped out. I usually do it on Sunday night or Monday morning, and I say, okay, what are the most important thing on my list? I do that one first, <laughs> and so every day is completely different, with the exception of Monday mornings, which is when I record all of my content. So on the podcasts. So I don't know if that's very helpful for you, but you know, I'll have uh, uh, what, this this week. What am I going to do this week? Hold my list here. We're going to overhaul our product and engineering process. We need to create a kind of factory model with our um, product and engineering team, right? Each, how do we measure a unit of output from engineering, which is a classic long-term problem? Or how do we get good, good enough with that? And then how do we create a variable component where we can do lots of small projects very quickly with a, with a high degree of velocity? And then how do I have kind of a more fixed model over here where I'm building large new feature, feature sets, like a brand new marketplace? And then we're going to visually construct a product roadmap and then a, a timeline there, right? We have to redefine our value proposition for our pro membership this week, right? I'll probably tackle that on Tuesday or Wednesday with our marketing team. We're coming out with a new investment market index. We're going to rank the number the 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 major metropolitan statistical areas in the country by their ability to generate cash flow uh, for investors. So, what's your rent minus vacancy minus maintenance and capex minus 
property management fees minus uh, taxes and insurance, right? Those are the fixed overhead that every investor, regardless of where you are, will have. How we make a reasonable assumption there and then help that provide a, a useful starting point for investors uh, and so on and so forth. I got a couple other things, but those are my three big ones this week. If I, I just do those three things, I've had a great week. Right? That's so awesome, right? So you, so you batch your Monday for all contents. Anyone interviews you, anyone you're going to interview. So because a lot of people are like, how do they do it all? Right. That's one of the questions. Like, how does the CEO do it all? How does he run a podcast? How does he have a book? How does he, so that's, those are great tips. Monday, you pack it all together mm-hmm. and then you've got your three big goals of the week. And of those goals, it seems like it's slightly different departments, right? So, cause those are a lot of the same things we're doing with our, with our online company right now. So you're like, one is an engineering product thing, like function of the website. Another one is like content of the website, you know, mm-hmm. content for your end users. And so the, so going, all right, you're going to tackle those three things. And so really, so you don't, you don't start your day and go, Hey, there's 20 things I need to do today. It's, it's, these are my big three things of the week and anything else kind of fills itself in. Yeah. And and those may not take a lot of time either. You know, I, I find, and and this is, you know, maybe a growth, a a learning curve and and I'll probably get into a different place in six months from now, but every, every three, every, maybe actually that's the way it is. Every three to six months things change, right? Sometimes I'm spending a lot of time overseeing one functional component of the business. Other times I, you know, seem like I have nothing to do. And really, I just need to stay away from the business and let people do their thing because they're all on top of it. And so it's kind of this weird dynamic that shifts. So when you ask what a typical day is as a CEO, you know, it really varies dramatically with me. And the only, there's like two or three components of structure to my routine that happen every single week. And outside of that, it kind of varies depending on the needs of the business. I've got my content on Mondays, I have uh, our metrics meetings where we measure the health of the business every Tuesday. Our business is very weekly seasonal. So we have a lot of traffic to bigger pockets on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then it drops off in the weekend because people are less and less active there. Right, so they get to their day job and they want to, and they're like, let's just l- learn about what it'll be right, like yes. later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there during like, at like uh, two, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, they're like, I don't want to attack my workload. I'm going to go up bigger pockets instead. Yeah, totally. <laughs> watch a bunch of podcasts. But yeah, so, uh, you know, we look at the business weekly because that's that our seasonal pattern reflects that. And if you see, if you look at it monthly, you're going to get a mixture of days that gives you misleading insight into the business. So metrics and then one-on-ones on Tuesdays. And then I have my week, my cadence with our chairman of the board, who is my boss representing a lot of the shareholders uh, once a week on Fridays. That is very cool. So the, so what about like, you know, do you have to travel much for your, for your work when it comes to like, you know, cause some people are like, how do we, like I fly a lot and when I'm flying, I'm usually like watching a bunch of movies and this year and for next year, I'm like, I should make that time more practical. I'm flying, you know, hundreds of hours a year. Maybe I should do, make better use of that. Do you have to travel much for work or for pleasure? Yeah, I travel about, uh, I, I did about 20 trips this year, which is a lot. For me, it was a lot. It felt like a lot. Um, I'm sure other people travel more, but um, travel is not required as part of it. It's just I, I think that it's good to meet a lot of our power users, people who have been around for a long time and talk real estate a couple of times a year. Then there's a couple, I have a couple of board meetings. Um, our shareholders are based out of Omaha. So I go there a couple times a year. And then I've got, uh, I, I want to see my family two or three times a year. They're out on the East Coast. And there you go, you know, between, you know, five, six conferences, a couple of board meetings, a couple little family travel, and then a couple other odds and ends thrown in there, you get up to 15, 20 trips. So do you just listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast the whole time, or, or what do you do to fill that time? <laughs> I do listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast sometimes, uh, often while I'm driving. But uh, no, I would say I actually don't have a good set routine on these things. So sometimes I'll download a movie and watch a movie on the flight, and sometimes I'll write. Um, so I often I, I do produce a good amount of content 
while on planes, just for whatever reason. It's kind of like my mental MO is I get on the plane, I get out my tablet and I start writing. And, I'll, and so I'll write a blog post or two on some flights or even portions of a book. So, that, so there, there is kind of a mixed bag of use time for those airplane, that airplane sure. travel. I love that. So the, so one of the things I was going to ask you is do you journal, you know, as an outlet or something like that, but it, it all, but kind of like, but for you, you know, blogging is kind of like an outlet. It's kind of like journaling, right? You're like telling your mm-hmm. stuff, but you're putting it in a, in a format. So do you still journal about other stuff or is that as your biggest outlet, like creating content? No, I, I call it, I, I have this, this, uh, the, this, I, it, uh, years ago I used this journal called, uh, what's it? It was like Darren Hardy's, you know who Darren Hardy is? He's like, yeah. Yeah. He's got, it's, it's his, uh, his, his like success journal basically. And I use that. And there's like, there's a wheel where he's got like, Hey, how is your, how are you measuring your relationships? What are you, how are you self diagnosing there? How's your business? How's your finance? How's your mental? How's your energy? How's your, uh, spiritual, your, your physical, whatever. And so I consider that all as part of like this mental component, right? I have to have something where I can think about and, and, and frame my thoughts and write them out in, in some format of some detailed format. And that pattern for me is typically taken the form of either podcasting, creating blog posts or writing books. So yeah, I, that's, I do need something like that. For me, it's not journaling. I, I can never get in the habit of journaling about my day, but I do like to journal about various models. And you know, lately I've been getting kind of that kind of side hobby about framing my thoughts has been in the format of either framing out business concepts for bigger pockets or political ones, which I won't get into here. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm always interested in the concept of like, how do you help, how do you handle these problems with like homelessness in these big cities? And there's a lot of different and very conflicting viewpoints. And I, I love thinking through those types of problems. That's great. Yeah, there are, and you could think about, you could think about those problems forever, right? Because there are so many different versions and then going, oh, that could work and that could work, especially like homeless. I live in California half the time and Austin half the time and, and see so many different places. You're like, here's multi-million dollar houses that are empty and hundreds of people, mm-hmm. but how does it fit? So yes, that will, we will not get, uh, yeah, go, we will but, not go deep into that. Today. But the point is I like writing about that privately. That's stuff I don't, I would never publish because you know, no one's interested in that opinion, but I it's do like a brain teaser. Opinion. Yeah. Yeah. You like give yourself a brain teaser and what would it be? And I think that's a hack that a lot of people is they try to figure out like, how could they be a CEO running a company like bigger pockets? Because I know a lot of people that journal, but really struggle to create content online. And really yeah. struggle to, you know, they're like, hey, I want to I, I want to do a blog, but they journal, you know, you know, 20 hours a week or or that. So you're like, no, you, you as you do it, you know, and my wife actually does a great job at that. When I'm in the morning when I'm journaling, she's getting her posts ready for Instagram as she creates content. So that uh, that makes a lot of sense. It's like its own little outlet. So well, the to, to your question, though, I think the question is about like, do you journal? Do you, what is it? How do you stimulate that mind? Right. And, and the job of CEO is not always very st- like stimulating. Mm-hmm. Right, you always have to be on. You always have to be be careful. Right, you always have to know what implication of your words are. But the tasks are like I know exactly what I'm looking for, more or less, with this this factory model for our product engineering team. What and what the visual outputs are. Now it's just translating that vision into reality, which is not a stroke of genius, right? And so th- those like inspirational points where you really work in that mind, for me, they seem to come. They come, they come in spits and starts like anything else. And I need that on a regular basis. And, th- and that's the outlet that I, that I choose to go with is in these blog, this blogging. Format. I really like that. You know, at the beginning, you talked about your education comes from so, you know, so many books and stuff that you write. Like to the, do you read any nonfiction too? Fiction, nonfiction, what are your, what are your favorite books? 
You know, I, I do from time to time read nonfiction, but really it's almost or fiction. It's, but it's almost exclusively nonfiction. So I, I, I read, I read business books. I like motivational books. I like personal finance books. I like exactly what I talk about all day long here at Bigger Pockets, which I think is why I'm probably in, in, in this position, but I like reading about that forever and ever and ever. And, and I do, and I'll also pick up the occasional biography. One of my favorite biographies I read last year was uh, a grant by uh, Ron Chernow, which is pretty good. So kind of a fascinating figure. Grant, that's awesome. When, uh, and when did you start hosting the, the, the Money Podcast? We started that back in 2018, beginning of 2018. So been just over two years now. I think we crossed 3 million downloads cumulatively. How many a week do you do on that one? We usually record one a week, but sometimes we'll do two or three. Um, for example, uh, we're recording this this talk right now on December 9th, we'll probably get ahead in the next couple of weeks to make sure that we don't have any scheduling conflicts with the Christmas holiday and New Year's. Yeah. The, um, yeah, that's something interesting as you do yeah, that I want your advice for later. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a podcast right now that we feel like there's so many different ways that we could spin off and do more, more things. And the, and we wonder, is it better to keep, you know, one brand or separate ones or all sorts of that? Cause just content people want to hear, but I guess, but with all the bigger pockets, there's two or three po- podcasts and they're all distinctly different brand, essentially. I mean, or uh, goal of each podcast, I think. Yeah. Well, you know, our, our brand, right? The point of, the point of this is you, our users want to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing, right? The real estate podcast is clearly on, on track for that. One of my kind of personal passions in, in, in relation to that goal, kind of how I got started on the Bigger Pockets blog is a lot of people on the site are not financially prepared to make large real estate investments and are not entrepreneurs, right? So if you're not an entrepreneur and you work a a 50 to $200,000 a year income job, that's a big bucket, right? You probably don't want to buy 20 houses a week or whatever it is, right? It's just not a practical situation for many people. Some people it is, right? And if that's the case, you need to work on building that financial foundation, getting that down payment ready, and then preparing to make that large frequent bets in whatever asset class you're interested in, largely real estate for the Bigger Pockets money listeners, right? So that's the purpose of that show. And then the Bigger Pockets business podcast is that is a lot of people are that entrepreneur and they're looking to grow and, and, and scale and expand their small businesses um, in conjunction with their real estate investing. They take the profits and plow it back into real estate. So there's a lot of overlap here. And we think there's a lot of directional components. We'll probably launch another show um, early in 2020 um, and then carry on from there. That is such a very clear elevator pitch. I have so many people that reach out to me and say like, how do I get started in real estate? And, the, and, and I try to find like what I think is that very entry level something. Right. But, but you're saying one of, but one of the problems is, but they don't even, they need $10,000 and say they need something right Mm -hmm. to to start with. And so you're more about like, Hey, here's how you get to that point to where then you can do that something later. Yeah. Investing it with no money is great. If you have a large amount of money and want to increase your velocity of money, right. And, and all that kind of stuff. Investing with no money is not a very good idea. If you have no money, no credit, no, no job, whatever, like you got to fix those problems first. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I, I met a couple of people that one of their biggest successes was they bought property, but they had really high paying jobs. So the months that they didn't have a tenant or they could pay the difference. Right. So it wasn't a stress, but the yeah, that's a that's definitely a, that's a good reason to have have the second podcast. I think you definitely had a, a clear brand for it. You know, another another what makes a CEO tick or, or how you go. It's, it's like, how do you create uh, energy? You know, how do, how do you create energy? So the you know, are you know, when it comes to like, is there any special like eating habits, exercise, stuff like that, meditate, anything that, that, that you can say, hey, that's where I get my energy from. That's how I, that's how I do my days. 
Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I think it's, it's sleep, diet, and exercise, right? So I, I, am a, I, cr- I do CrossFit, and I've played rugby my whole life prior to that. Oh, cool. So I, I try to stay very, very fit there. My gym's right down the street. Uh, I eat very healthfully. So like today, I'll have like a, a very healthy salad for lunch. I had oats and a smoothie for, for breakfast, and I'll probably have like a tuna steak and, and uh, uh, potatoes and some, some sort of healthy vegetable comp combination when I get home. Um, so it, it, you know, I try to eat mostly healthy like that. And then when I go out with friends, I got no problem eating Buffalo wings or whatever, or, or drinking too many beers on occasion, that kind of stuff. But my default is a very healthy meal three times a a day with healthy snacks on, on hand. So, and then I exercise three to five times a week uh, pretty intensely. That's awesome. So the, so you talked about, um, you, you, you know, you sleep in, you make sure you get your sleep. So do you work out in the afternoons then? Or, and you yes. said, three, and so three to five days after you get off work, you just go, go crush it then? Yeah. Typically I'll try to end everything around four fifteen, and then I'll go work out, uh, at four thirty. So four thirty to five thirty is my workout. Then I'll come back and finish out the day until seven, seven thirty, Uh, and that's my day. I just prefer to kind of get in that eight, eight thirty, and, and leave later in the day. So. I love it. I, I feel like health is such an important equation to being successful, right? Like, like the, just like you said, sleep, exercise, and, 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 and what you eat. And, the, and a lot of people do it before they start their day. I, I prefer my workout in the morning instead, but then going, hey, you're, you're like that same exact formula. You're just changing that order a little bit on, on what works best for you. And the, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's cool to hear that, like, kind of the different versions of it, right? No, absolutely. I, I always think it's funny because when you go through this, like, this set of things, you're like, oh, healthy, or healthy, wealthy, successful, whatever people, they all tend to do these, these same concepts. They all, they all self-educate. They all are healthy. They, they exercise. They've got this like, uh, crazy pathology about doing death-defying uh, personal hobbies like skydiving or scuba dive or whatever it is right they've got you know uh goals that they write down that they wake up early in the morning and it's like you know if you aggregate people i think you're going to find that on average they people that are ceos or like our founder who are very wealthy successful people they typically embody multiple of those but probably not all of them in any one in any one individual right so yeah there's yeah there's like 10 pieces of the equation and everyone does seven Yes. Right. Yeah. Like- and so, you know, like I, I, I'm, you know, I don't know, you know, I, I've, I've had a crazy career here and this is, you know, very, very fortunate to be here with all that. I probably do seven of those 10 things and I don't like the sleeping in or the waking up early. It doesn't, doesn't work for me. Right. I, so right. I, I just can't quite do it. Um, doesn't I, do you any good. I don't do the death defying crazy uh, hobbies either that the, the sky many entrepreneurs seem to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was going to be one of my next questions. Do you do any, do you do anything for fun? Any, any hobbies? I mean, you got CrossFit. I mean, that's a, that's a hobby, but anything else you like to do? Yeah. Uh, jumping I, well, out of planes? I've, I've played rugby for, for a bunch of years. I took this last year off. I may rejoin in, in the coming years. I had a couple of bad injuries that, that took it off. Um, I ski, I do CrossFit and I'm a bit of a gamer and I like to do something fun every single week with, with my buddies. So that's Whether cool. That's yeah. A, a sporting event or trip or whatever. You live in the best place for skiing to the, right. the, I get that we're you're heading up to Aspen for a couple of weeks in January. So we'll be, we'll be almost in your, your neck of the woods. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll see you up there. So let's see. So if you had, you know, it's just a few more things, really, I wanted to be able to kind of interview, here's some secrets, be able to share them without taking a whole ton of time. Do you have any secret weapons that, that you use? Any, uh, you know, anything that you said, Hey, if you were going to give one piece of advice, it would be this or one thing that makes Scott Trench different. 
Yeah. I don't know if this is a piece of advice, but I kind of read that as like, what's my, like we always ask, what's your superpower here? Yeah, uh, exactly. People, right. And so my, my superpower is my ability to focus on the same thing and do it without interruption for hours and hours on end. So I can just like, I could, I can read a book straight on through or, you know, write for four or five, six, seven hours, however long I need to, to get something done. And that allows me to have a lot more free time because I'm able to knock out my big tasks without, um, when I, when I need to, uh, just in one huge block as opportunity arises. So that's my superpower. That's a huge superpower. When I, when I first started getting on stage, I was trying to teach people about like focus and the power of focus. Like if you do, you know, and even we, we homeschool our kids and our whole thing is an hour a day of focused learning is the equivalent to what they were getting when they, when they went to school somewhere. So being able to be that guy that doesn't get distracted by social media, especially, I mean, you have a, a, a you have a business that's based in like social, the social world. So being able to like not check social media and knock your stuff out. Like I, I could see why that definitely sets you up for success. Yeah. The big thing there is if you, I'm sure a lot of people know this, but you work until you get to 95% completion. And then for every reason, it just sits there on the shelf and I'm guilty of this too. Yeah. But I like to think I, I'm, I'm able, because of that, I'm able to knock out a little bit more of that than maybe the next guy to hundred percent completion and move on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, you get to 95% quicker, no matter what, then the, uh, so any, any conferences or masterminds that you recommend for coming year for people? Uh, yeah, well, bigger pockets will have a conference. Uh, we're, we're still finalizing our date, but it looks like it'll be in early October, um, barring a couple of negotiations with the hotel. Um, you know, same location. No, I think we're going to move to a new location. So I don't want to spoil it in case, uh, in case that one does fall through, but you'll, you'll, you guys will know in a couple of weeks about that conference. I like FinCon every year. Um, again, I'm, you know, I'm not, this is not a CEO conference. FinCon is a kind of financial independence and media conference. So it's a lot of people who are talking about how to, how ordinary people can go on to achieve financial independence early in life through a variety of means. And, uh, so we, we love that, uh, that conference. And then, um, there's numerous regional conferences around the country for real estate investing that are awesome. So I, I go to a couple of those every year. Yeah, I've heard um, FinCon's a good one, and and and, the, and I missed the bigger pockets one this year in, in Nashville, but I heard that that everybody just crushed it and had had a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The so what is uh, so as we're wrapping up, you know, what's what's next for bigger pockets uh, over this year, the next few years, or or you personally? What's your do you have a big goal of twenty twenty? Do you do you get through your December and say, okay, this is what's going to happen next year? Yeah. So, uh, well, for, for personally, the, the biggest goals for 2020 are, are just kind of health and fitness. And then I'm getting married uh, in 2020. So that's, gonna oh, that's be huge. A, a big focus there, making sure that we have a great bachelor party, a great event for everybody. We get to see all of our friends and family and uh, celebrate our, our life together, me and Virginia. Congratulations. Uh, that's well, thanks. Awesome. Yeah. So that, that's a big one. And we'll try to do, you know, quarterly trips, nice, have, a, have a good fun year there. For Bigger Pockets, we have three primary uh, value drivers that we've that we've identified we want to grow. One is uh, the reach, the, the reach of our brand. We want to reach every single person who's a investor uh, in the in, in the United States or an aspiring investor who's under sixty five years old. Uh, we feel that some people are not digitally native and they're they're probably they've done their thing. They're probably not ready for bigger pockets or not interested. You're not interested. So we've defined our addressable market in CEO language, right? And we're going to go after that. And we want every single one of those people to have a favorable opinion of bigger pockets and know who we are. So that's one is, is, is a reach. And, and I've got numbers for that if you're, if you ever want to dig into this, but um, yeah. downstream, we've got engagement and transaction. We want people to engage with our platform. What do we mean by that? You sign up for bigger pockets. We, we, we know you're in one of several categories, most likely. You're a new investor, you're a small investor, um, you're an accredited investor, or you're a vendor, 
right? Like an agent or a lender. Right. We want to have you sign up. We want to learn what your biggest problem is. Almost all your problems are the same. It's either finding deals, getting started generally, getting financing, getting debt financing, raising equity camp capital, or managing your personal financial position, time or networking. So we're going to identify where you are in your investment journey and what your biggest problem is, and then give you a personalized uh, solution to those problems to make everything easier to access on bigger pockets, right? And that will help us drive engagement forward from the business while we're solving our users' problems more effectively. And then we also want you to be able to go on to actually transact on investment real estate um, that you believe will advance your financial position. So that's the next piece of that, right? Is that engagement leads to transaction. So we want a certain percentage of the marketplace's deals to flow through our pipes next year. Um, where we know that we've either made a connection to a property or a professional that led to a transaction outcome. And then lastly, we have financial, right? So we want to grow our pro membership revenue. We want to grow our publishing revenue and we want to begin um, moving into this lead generation space where we connect users with agents and lenders and, and uh, agents and lenders ultimately become a major customer for us. I love how I love how clearly you know exactly what your goals for next year are. You know, I think I'm guilty of when we come up with our company goals. I know I did this last year, you know, with our with our Roddy foreclosure company. And we came up with our list and we had like 30 things we were going to accomplish this year. And we accomplished like 25 of them. But the but I but I think there's probably a lot of value in being able to look at that bigger picture and going here are the three that we're going to focus on. Here are the three that we're going to drive for. And what's really, what's really kind of funny and cool too, you're like, we, you, want to, you want to reach every single person that's, invested, that's interested in real estate. And a lot of people say, well, that's pretty bold. And, the, and I would say that too, except for I meet somebody new every week that goes like, yeah, I heard this on Bigger Pockets. Yeah, I heard this on Bigger Pockets. I get people, I mean, I was interviewed on Bigger Pockets nine months ago. I get an email every day from somebody that, that heard me on there and wants to reach out like the, the reach that you guys have is, is, is so amazing. And, and, and I also have several friends like in Northern California that had, had not done any real estate investing, you know, normal jobs, like nurses, like, like, like people and they had started listening and now they own five or six rentals and they're really, and they're starting to grow. And it was because of those, those podcasts. So the, so we see it happening and then you'll see more, I think you will see more and more people transacting within your site. Yeah. And, 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 you know, sorry, when you, when you say like so clear, that is the vision long-term, right? Is every single person interacts with us monthly and has a favorable opinion of bigger pockets. Who's an aspiring or current real estate investor within our target market, right? This next year, we have a, 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 a growth pattern where we're trying to inch towards that ultimate vision. So I think it's about 25% reach growth basically that we're, go that we're aiming for this year. And it'll probably be somewhere in the ballpark of 60 to 70% of that target market that we'll reach. But so, so we're trying to get to that 100% mark over, over time. It'll take us a couple more years to get there. But yeah, it, you have to have a clear vision and then those clear targets. And then the team, they go and they fill out all the specifics. And I just kind of review and, 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 and put, have input on those. So veto power, basically. Yeah. You're like, here's the vision. And they're like, this is how we're going to do it within our engineering department. This is how we're going to do it within, within this department. You know, when we're off channel, I'd love, to, I'd love to get to brainstorm with you on org chart stuff. I think, I think you could probably help me big time on some of that stuff. You know, I think with your reach too. So in my Tesla, the, the podcasts come up and, and my kids have never been prouder than when they got to hear me on a podcast on the, on the Tesla. So just the fact that you know, you, Bigger Pockets is everywhere. It's not just on like this podcast stream or the other one. You know, it's anywhere that somebody can listen to a podcast, it hits there. The, well... Scott, this was, this was awesome. I know I learned a ton. I learned, I learned a lot about you know, some different planning and maybe some ways that I should look at it. I bet 
everyone that gets to listen to this and see it, I think they, they got to learn a lot too. The, what would, you know, if people want to figure out more about, about your, your books or, 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 I mean, obviously bigger pockets, what's, what's the one or two places that you would say, Hey, you know, for more information like this, this is where they should go. Yeah, sure. You can check me. You know, if you, if you just want to kind of like see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at, at, uh, at Scott underscore trench, or you can check me out on biggerpockets.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. You know, I'm on a, I'm on all these various social networks, but, uh, uh, yeah, biggerpockets.com or uh, Instagram might be the, the two places I would suggest. Yeah. And you guys, you guys have your own social me- social network essentially on bigger pockets. Like someone create a user and you get through there and then an Instagram. Right. And Instagram is a fun place to share. That's one of my favorite places to share content now too. Well, well, thanks again, Scott. The, uh, this was awesome. And I uh, look forward to chatting with you some more later. Well, thank you, Aaron. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.